Welcome to Talking Bulls, episode 13, the conclusion of the last dance. It's the last dance, the final two episodes. We're going to cover everything that happened in the final two episodes on this podcast. Welcome to episode 13. We'll be back, those fans, right after this. Step into the Red Target, known as the Bullseye Facebook group, consisting of 2,200 loyal fans, loyal, passionate fans that really care about the Bulls. Watch us post the most up-to-date information on the team, team news, trades, injuries, and all related Bulls content. Join us on the Bullseye Facebook group. Back on Talking Bulls. So, we finally reached the conclusion of the last two episodes of The Last Dance. I really enjoyed it. Um, It was a great um, documentary. It told us a lot about the team. It told us a lot about Michael Jordan. It told us a lot about Dennis Rodman and a lot of the members of the team. It told us a lot about the front office. It just was jam-packed with a whole bunch of information. And it came down to the conclusion of these last two episodes, which I really, really enjoyed. So they started off uh, the first episode, um, episode 9, actually, today. It was 9 and 10. So 9 started off with the, the Bulls and the Pacers, um, game 7, or that series, period. And it started off with uh, Reggie Miller highlighting the, the Reggie Miller and uh, Michael Jordan's rivalry over the years. And they actually had a couple of fist fights, and I wouldn't actually call it a fight like like most people would. They were just grabbing each other, and the referees was in front of them, and they was uh, jibber jabbing back and forth with each other. But they highlighted that, and they took you back to you know the battles that they had when Reggie Miller first came into the league. And um, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I didn't really know too much about Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan having bad blood with each other. I knew that they had a couple fights and a couple riffs on the court, but I didn't know the extent of it. But this took you back, man, way back when Reggie had a flat top. And it, when Reggie Miller, uh, you know, said he's the big, bad, great Michael Jordan and what is he going to do? And then Jordan dropped 44 on him and then walked off the court and told him, so Reggie Miller, don't, don't ever, you know, talk to black Jesus like that again. <laughs> And I heard, I actually heard that story on YouTube. I heard that before, and um, it's good to hear it again coming from our Reggie Miller on this documentary. But um, as far as like the Bulls and the Pacers go, that series, like I told you, I told you guys in one of my earlier podcasts, um, Jalen Rose even said it in this. He said they they really thought they could beat the Bulls. You know, the Pacers really thought that they could dethrone the Bulls. And Reggie Miller said it too. He said, uh, "This is it. We're gonna, you know, de- um, retire Michael Jordan. We're gonna retire, you know, uh, the Bulls." And uh, it's, you know, basically what happened. You know, not at the result of the Pacers, but it happened down the line when the Bulls uh, got past the Utah Jazz. They end up breaking up, and you know. Uh, it's just it was it was sad to see this team break up. 
but like I said repeatedly, I felt like it was right. You know, they were showing their age, and if you've seen every part of this documentary, you've seen as they the championship run got deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, teams began to give them hell, and teams were not afraid of them. You know, John Stockton saying in this documentary that you know we didn't approach this series like you know we're playing against the Bulls. We were not in awe of them, and then you have couple Indiana Pacers saying we actually felt like we can beat the Bulls. We were the better team. And never in my years of watching the Chicago Bulls as a kid, I ever thought I would hear any player or team say that they felt like they would beat the Bulls. So that just gives you guys an idea of, you know, the grip that the Bulls had on the league, over the league and the opponents that they were facing was slipping. Because teams were afraid of this guy, these guys back in, what, 94? Um, I mean, I'm sorry, back in 91 and 93, and 90, even 95 and 96, you know, teams never would even think, you know, they would have confidence that they could beat the Bulls. And it was getting to that point. And, and you know, we had Michael Jordan um, showing his age, you know, showing that he needed Rodman and, and Pippen by his side, that he couldn't handle um, most of the load. Because you remember when Scottie Pippen missed the, the first 35 games of the 98 season, you know, the Bulls were losing a, a few games there. You know, they wasn't losing championship games, but, you know, they were losing enough where, you know, Scottie was a key part and was needed. And I never really realized that until then. But like I said, they were losing to teams like the Cavaliers, and Cavaliers didn't have anybody. It was the bottom of the NBA at that time. So the Bulls were just... There's a lot of things going on, you know. Um, Scotty's contract issue, Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson's bad relationship. And I was thinking about, man, you know, aside from them being, you know, old and, you know, past their time and, you know, uh, they, they, they dealt with a lot during the championship era. You know, they dealt with a lot. And for them to go through, you know, um, locker room issues with – with players and like Dennis Rodman going off the, you know, professional wrestling and doing a lot of the crazy shit that he was doing. I was shocked to see that in the documentary. And to handle a, a person like Rodman and to go through, you know, the front office, you know, jousting back and forth with Phil Jackson and to have all of that going on and still able to complete two three-peats. I just think it's amazing. I don't know any NBA team today that can handle that type of stuff and, and still coexist and win on that level. And this team didn't even win less than 60 games in the three years that they were, last three years that they were together. They won 72 and 96. They won 69 and uh, 97. And then they won 62 last year in 98 that they were together. So they never won less than 60 games. And they beat, actually, seven 60-win teams. And that's the most in NBA history. For the LeBron fans that like to say, oh, Michael Jordan never played against anybody. Well, these 60-win teams that they beat, seven of them, which is the most in NBA history, said that they did beat teams. But how about um, Jordan and Burrell? Man, that I ain't going to lie. That was probably, like, the funniest part of this documentary was Jordan, Michael Jordan and Scott Burrell's funny relationship. 
um, Jordan getting on Scott Burrell and telling, you know, the, the camera people how he's always out and dating all these women and don't believe him that he got one woman. It's just as funny, man. And then, you know, the the night of uh, game five, I believe it was, of the 98 finals, them going back and forth saying, Michael Jordan saying, if I ever see you again, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> it's just funny. I really did enjoy that. I did. I didn't know that him and Scott Perot had that type of relationship, but they would. They thought that that series was over, and they really were celebrating back and backstage. And they had, you know, champagne and everything ready. And Scott Malone, Carl Malone had that heroic game. We had thirty nine points, I believe it was, where he erupted for thirty nine in the United Center and push it and force it to a game six, where the Bulls ultimately won it off of Michael Jordan's last second shot. But even in that series, you know, the Bulls, you know, were very, very close to going to a game seven. You know, they were down three points with just 40 seconds left in the game and had to come up with a a steal and, you know, a layup and a shot from Michael Jordan to ultimately win that game by one point. And so they were one point away from being forced to another, a second game seven. And we... Like I said, this was only the second in the Pacers series. That was only the second game seven that the Bulls played in a matter of what I believe '92 was their last one. So that was six in six years they didn't play a game seven. So it was, uh, and they were that close to playing another game seven. They had to come up, and then I wanted to touch on Scottie Pippen going out with that back injury on the very first play of that at that at that game six. And I felt like that was huge that Michael Jordan came up with that shot because I feel like if that game went through a game seven, you know, the Bulls would have lost. They probably would have lost a game seven because number one, it was on the road. And number two, there were rumors that Scottie Pippen wouldn't have been able to suit up and play game seven. So he would have played, even if he would have played, he would have been playing like less than 100%. When we come back... I'm going to cover some more information for you that happened in the last dance. We're going to talk a little bit about Dennis Rodman. And we're also going to talk about Jerry Krause and the front office wanting Phil Jackson back after the 98 season. We'll be back right after this. What's up out there, Bulls fans? We're a new show and we're always looking to grow. How would you like to be a part of our show? Send us your comments through Twitter, at TalkingBulls82, or you can post your comments to this show, to the messenger of this show, and you can follow us at Spotify. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts. We're back here on Talking Bulls. So it was shocking to me. We're gonna talk about management for for uh, probably for the rest of the show actually, but let's let's talk about a little brief moment about Rodman and him running off to go um, wrestle with Hulk Hogan and, and WCW. That was like I didn't expect to see that in the documentary. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't hear anything about that. I hear any sources about you know him a clip of him going and actually you know, wrestling with Hulk Hogan and WCW. But I just thought Dennis Rodman was crazy, man. Like, for him to just 
ditch practice and in the middle of the season just go off and just do his thing and then just come back and was able to just focus on basketball. He had to be probably the most consumed <laughs> basketball player on the Chicago Bulls roster. He just had so much going on. And he was dating Carmen Electra. How many people wish they could date a woman like Carmen Electra? And Dennis Rodman just had that, that fast lane life while being an NBA player. And I just thought it was kind of funny. But for the Bulls and the way they handled it and the way they, they handled Dennis Rodman, I don't think any other team in the NBA would have probably been able to handle him. And I think that's part of the reason why the Spurs let him go. But he was just wild, man. And the Spurs wasn't trying to have that in their organization. And based on today, what I know about the San Antonio Spurs and the type of organization that they are, I could see where Robin would become a problem. But, you know, the Bulls handled him pretty well, and he he did well with the Bulls. You know, winning three titles. More than he got with the Pistons. He had two with the Pistons. And he really rejuvenated that Chicago Bulls team. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the Bulls needed him for Shaq. Because if you remember, the Bulls lost to Orlando Magic in 95. And um, they went and go got Dennis Rodman, and then they went on to win three. So I'm not going to say that if he wasn't there, they wouldn't have won three, but I would say he played a big part in the three um, NBA championships because Jordan just always found the way, and he was driven after the losing to the Magic that year and worked out all summer and bust his ass. Like similar to it reminds me when he lost to Detroit and he went back to the drawing board and we got really, really focused. So I think inevitably they would have won. But what shocked me out of everything that happened in this documentary, because as a Bulls fan, I've been a Bulls fan since 1990. And I've never heard that Jerry Krause actually offered, not Jerry Krause, I'm sorry, Jerry Ronsdorf. I'm always getting the Jerry's mixed up. That Jerry Ronsdorf actually offered Phil Jackson the opportunity to come back. And I never heard that he offered him an opportunity to come back. But when I heard the conditions, I understood why Phil said no. (laughs) I mean, you guys got to understand, Phil Jackson, I don't know if he purposely did it, but he's never really coached a team that didn't have stars on it. And here you have a, a guy that has won three straight championships, has coached Michael Jordan, since 1980 or 87 and you're asking him to start all over and just strip the team and rebuild and Phil wasn't going to do that Phil was not going to try to come back to rebuild and he hated Jerry Krause's guts so that's something I think that Michael Jordan underestimated which you're going to talk about in a little bit and Jerry Ronsdorf underestimated they refused to realize that that Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson did not like each other and, and couldn't stand each other. And, you know, that comes from the backstabbing that happened, you know, with Jerry Krause constantly trying to hire Tim Floyd and replace Phil Jackson. And that's also why, you know, Scotty and Jerry Krause's relationship is was also horrible because he tried to trade Scotty multiple times. But the way I look at Jerry Krause, everybody's calling him, a, you know, a villain and all of this. I don't look at him as a villain. I look at him as a businessman. But if you're going to call, you know, 
your, your head coach, your friend, and you're going to call Scotty, you know, your friend slash player. And then you're behind the scenes, you're trying to, to, to uh, trade them and get them out of there. I don't think that's a good way to uh, treat your friends or people that you care about or people that you have grown a professional respect for. So, yeah, I, I was shocked that he asked them to come back, that he asked Phil Jackson to return as coach and said he has the right to, you know, return back since they won the championship, to defend the sixth championship. But my thing was, how was they going to defend the sixth championship if you broke them up? Because from what I hear, he was, he was planning to get rid of Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, and Scottie Pippen, but he wanted to bring back Phil and so Phil could defend the sixth title. So basically, you wanted them to lose. You just can't give up key parts of your, of your team. It's, you want to give up their best rebounder, their best shooter, and their best second player on the team, their best defender, best point forward, and you want them to try to go and defend a championship. So basically, you wanted them to go out there and lose. And now that when I look at it like that, I understand why Phil said no. But Michael Jordan, when they showed him the, the screen and told him to elaborate on what, what Jerry Ronsdorf said, that he offered Phil Jackson the opportunity to return, Michael Jordan replied, uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't believe it. He didn't believe anything that Jerry Ronsdorf was saying because they told them that that was the last dance, that was the final season for them. And he felt like, if they would have offered Dennis Rodman a one-year contract, Steve Kerr a one-year contract, and Phil Jackson a one-year contract, they all would have said yes. I highly doubt that. Under those conditions that they're talking about, I doubt that, well, the, the conditions would have been the same because, it's like you said, if, like we said, that they offered each and every one of them a contract, but I seriously think Phil was done. Because after they showed the clip, after Michael was talking, Phil replied, well, this was the best time for us to break up. So Phil then got the Bulls out of, their, out of his system. He was ready to move on. But how about um, Skip Bayless painting the, the narrative that Phil Jackson talked Michael Jordan into leaving? I don't think that's the case. I think Michael Jordan made that decision on his own. Michael Jordan made that decision on his own. He didn't want to play for a new coach, and he showed he adamantly expressed that. And why should he want to play for a new coach? Why did they want to break up a team that won three NBA championships? Now, I have my reason why I thought that they should have broken up. But I do believe, I'm one of the people that do believe if they had returned for another season, the Bulls would have won a seventh title. It was only as a shortened season. It was only 50 games. And while I think highly of the Spurs and the Twin Towers, I don't think they were tough enough to beat Michael Jordan. So I think the Bulls would have got that one. Now, going into the 2000s, and Shaq and Kobe, a younger Bulls, I probably would say, can beat that team. But uh, older Bulls, I'm not going to say they would have lose, but Shaq and Kobe would have been tough for the older Bulls. I'm not even going to lie. Um, what else I got to cover here that happened in the last dance? 
basically covered everything there is to cover. So at the conclusion of the 98 NBA Finals, Carl Malone went on a team bus and shook all of the Bulls players' hands. And I just thought that was a class act thing to do. It really was. And I always thought Carl Malone was a, was a professional. He was a very good professional. See, that's what Isaiah Thomas should have done. But to end it off, Jordan saying that, you know, he could never accept, you know, not being able to try for number seven. And it's just a lot of things that I agree with, and that, that is one of them. But, like, the part I didn't agree with with Mike is that he was willing to go and go and go until he lost. And I'm one of them type of people that you that think you should go out on top. You know, when he hit that shot in Utah and the Bulls won 87-86, he should have stayed retired. He should have retired on top. He shouldn't even came back against the Wizards. I mean, to play for the Wizards. He shouldn't have came back. He should have stayed retired. It was a perfect ending. How many people would dream to end their career to win a championship in their last game with a game-winning shot? How many people would, would, would dream of that and actually get, get that to happen? And this guy just wanted to come back again. Uh, maybe because he felt like Management forced him to to retire in a way. Subsequently, and he was gonna he was intent to prove that they weren't gonna just shove him out the door. So he, because Michael Jordan was was like that. He was he was he feel fight back against you. If he felt like you was deciding something for him, he would fight against that. So I get it. But each and every part of these last dance episodes, um, I enjoy every every single part. But um, the news coming out about Scottie Pippen being upset at how he was perceived in the last dance. And um, now everything that was said about him, and he even backed it up by reinforcing what happened, you know, saying I wouldn't have changed anything. And then he's going out and saying he don't like the way he's being perceived in the last dance. Well, you were the one that said, you know, um, I wouldn't have changed, you know, sitting out and not going back in the game. You was the one that said you were right and you did intentionally sit out, you know, first 35 games of the season to get your surgery and to heal up. And you were the one that said these things. So I'm I'm just a little lost at did Pippen not think that they would record this and, and they would publish it when he did this interview because he basically was just reinforcing everything in that interview. Um, but, you know, Scotty getting, you know, migraines and in and, and the last game of the of the Bulls' existence, you know, going in the back with a with a with a wrench back. Um I don't know, man. It's just a lot of things with Scotty that make me feel like, you know, he shouldn't be in a conversation when people do have this argument about the GOAT debate and, you know, Michael Jordan being, like, totally, like, or 80% responsible for the Bulls' success, I mean, he should, he shouldn't be mentioned because there's a lot of times that he was counted on and he just folded. 
you know, and I just look at Scottie Pippen as being fragile. And, you know, I feel playing with Michael Jordan helped him out a lot. When we come back, we're going to get my final take on the last parts of the last dance and the Chicago Bulls championship era. Right after this, you listen to Talking Bulls. What time is it? Time for Kenyatta's final take. The Chicago Bulls were the team of the 90s. For six out of ten years, they set the standard for NBA teams, and this is why you see comparisons to the 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors. The Bulls globalized the NBA, taking them from being in 80 countries to 215 countries. They were the team that opened fans' eyes to NBA basketball. They were the team that every team not only envied, but salivated to defeat. And even though they were forced to break up, their legacy lives on. They're the only undefeated team in the NBA Finals. They're the only team never to be defeated after winning the Finals. They exemplified perfection. And even though this is the last dance, the 98 Bulls will be known for one thing, winning. That's my show, ladies and gentlemen. Bulls fans, it was a pleasure for me to do this episode of The Last Dance. Um, I remember when I was a kid growing up, listening to the Bulls on the radio, on my sports radio, um, while I was in bed when my mother put me to bed at 9 o'clock at night. I wasn't allowed to watch basketball at a certain time, so I would, you know, sneak under my covers and put my, my Walkman on my head and listen to, you know, the scores of the games and check and see if the Bulls were winning. And the Bulls inspired me all throughout my life. You know, I wanted to be on the Bulls. I wanted to play for the Bulls. I wanted to be just like Michael Jordan. And um, that's what drove my basketball career, you know. But long story short, you know, the Bulls inspired a lot of people growing up. And they're a team that, you know, will never be replaced. Um, And their, their legacy will never be copied. Thanks for joining me on this episode. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkingBulls82. You can send me your emails at TalkingBulls82 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Spotify, and you can also follow me on Google News. Leave them on Google now. And um, show your support for the pod. That's my show. Go Bulls. Good night, Bulls fans.